0: Amen. God sends his word and he heals. God sends his word and he gives revelation. God sends his word and he changes things. The word of God is so, so powerful. We're going to look into the scriptures this morning. We started a series a couple of weeks ago. Well, actually last week on character sketches. And we're looking at Bible characters And I love to study Bible characters because it gives us an opportunity to see how the truth is fleshed out in real life. It gives us an opportunity to understand how um, the the, the principles or the truths that we know of God's word are just played out in real time and real life. You see, what, what character studies do, they help us to understand that which is abstract, it can become concrete, it can become realized in a, in a very practical way. That which is, um, you know, maybe uh, philosophical can become very, very practical in our lives. You know, uh, there are a lot of people in this world that emulate uh, people they see on social media, They see in Hollywood, they try to keep up with certain movie stars, but we as the people of God need to emulate those who are in the scriptures. Come on, somebody, that's a good place to say amen if you're wondering. So this morning, uh, last week we looked at Joseph, and we talked about living a life that matters. And again, we looked at it through uh, his life to see what that looks like practically, how it fleshes out, how it works out in everyday life. And, and that's important. That's what we want to we see so that we could emulate it, so that we could put it into practice in our own lives. We're going to look at David this morning. I love David. I love the biblical character of the man of God, the man called David. He was known as a man after God's heart a man after God's heart now again that phrase can kind of be abstract so this morning we want to make it practical we want to break it down what does it mean to be a man or a woman after God's heart so we're going to look at David you know David King David in the Old Testament, he was the second king of Israel. David was a remarkable, remarkable man. He stands out in a class all by himself in the scriptures. He was a man of greatness. He was was great in many, many respects. There is more written about David than any other biblical character. More than Abraham, more than Joseph, more than any of the patriarchs, a thousand times he's mentioned in the scriptures. As far as musical ability, David could play with such a skill and such a Holy Spirit anointing that he could drive away evil spirits from the oppressed King Saul, military might, He was one of the wisest and most insightful military strategists that the world has ever seen. He was never outwitted nor defeated on the battlefield. As far as literary genius, he composed some of the greatest psalms that were ever sung, some of the greatest psalms that were ever prayed. To this day, his writings comfort the bereaved, inspire hope, and give Expression to the depth of the human emotions. As far as financial resources, silver and gold and material wealth was his in abundance. But David's true greatness is found not in any of those things that I mentioned, but is found in the testimony of God himself, what God said about David. You know, when you look at the life of David, again, uh, a man of greatness in so many ways, you could, um, you could look at his life and, and, and you, could, you could say many things about him and you could say many flattering things about David. Again, David could have been called a great king. He could have been called a mighty warrior. And then there are some not so flattering things that David could have been called. In the scriptures we see as great as David was, he was very human and he made some very serious mistakes in his life. And so he could have been called some very not so flattering things or the one liner about his life could have been David the adulterer. David the murderer. But God chose to call David a man after my heart. Two places, 1 Samuel 13, Acts chapter 13. God himself gave that testimony about David. God himself said, I have found David, a man after my own heart. Wow. Only one person in the scripture has that epitaph written about him. So the question is this morning, as we look into the life of David, was he superhuman? Was he this uh, spiritual super man? If you read the scriptures, if you know anything about the life of David, you realize he was very human. And that's important. I think it's very important as we sit here this morning, as we uh, look into the word of God, as we look into the scriptures, that we, we understand that when we look at Bible characters, we don't look at them uh, through the wrong lens. Because many times when we do look at the, the scriptures, we look at Bible characters, we tend to view them in a, in a way that um, is really not scriptural. We kind of we look at them as having halos over their head. Now, you know where we get that from? We get that from the 4th and 5th century of Christian art, where when they began to draw uh, Bible characters or people throughout history, they would put, put a, a glow, a halo around their head. But when I read the Bible, I don't read, of any, mention of a halo around someone's head. Now, some of you might think you have a halo, Um, but, but, But the reality of it is, no one has that halo. No one is in that spiritual elitist group. We are all part of the human race. We are all made of the same stuff. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, we have James telling us something. He was talking about the power of prayer. And he said, Uh, Elijah prayed a powerful prayer, but again, to make sure that the people that James was writing to, that they didn't see uh, Elijah as someone superhuman or someone that uh, they, they could never attain to his status. You know what James said? James said, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. He was cut out of the same cloth. He was made of the same stuff as you and I are made of. And James was using that or saying that to encourage us that when we go to God in prayer, we have the same power and the same influence with God when we pray by faith. When we pray with an earnestness that we know the scriptures say that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What power we yield in prayer. So when we come together as the people of God, like we do this morning, and when we go to God in prayer, it's not just the pastor praying. It's not just a few people that have influence with God. All of us, by the grace of God, can call upon God, and we can see mountains move, we can see valleys be brought up, and we can see crooked paths be made straight. Can you say amen? It is so important. No different than you and I. If Elijah can pray pray a prayer that makes a difference, so can you and I. If David could be a man after the heart of God, so can you and I. We look at the life of David. We realize he was very human. He made some serious mistakes. But you know what really impressed while I was studying this? What impacted me was although David made some serious mistakes, his life was not defined by the mistakes he made. Isn't it so true today? People want to define you by your mistakes. They want to define define you by something you did in life. And especially, especially in the social media culture we live in, people want to define you. They want to cancel you. They want to deal with you in a way. And I don't know about you, but I find we're living in a culture that there's little mercy. You're right. Hello? Yeah. There's so little mercy. There is, there is such a, 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 an attitude of, of just venom and anger and hatred. But you see, David, although he failed greatly, you see, he wasn't defined by his past He was defined by what God said about him. Oh, I don't know if you're getting that this morning. You see, we don't have to be defined by our past. We can be defined by the word of God. We can be defined by what God has said about us. So when we look at a man called David, a man who was described and and, and called by God as a man after his heart, we can too come to a place of dealing with the issues of our past and moving past our past, moving forward and moving into what God has for us, moving into the the plans and the purposes that God created for you and I and not allowing our past to define us. David was known and was called by God and on his tombstone, if you will, it says, a man after the heart of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, that's powerful this morning. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, Whatsoever things were written beforehand were written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of Scripture might have hope. What was Paul saying through the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 15? He was saying that whatever we have written in the Old Testament was given to us by God that we through the perseverance and the comfort of scripture might have hope. What hope is that? There was, the hope is that if David could be called a man of God, so can you be called a man of God. So can you be called a woman of God. I don't know why you're listening this morning. Come on, if you want me to get through this, you gotta say amen. When I don't hear an amen, I'm not sure you're getting it. And that makes me work it a little harder and a little longer. How many of you want to go home before 1 o'clock today? So we look at the life of David. What does it mean? What does the term or the phrase mean, a man after my own heart? Someone has said it's having a heart like the heart of God after its kind, wanting the things that God wants, liking the things that God likes, caring about the things that God cares about. Have you ever been with somebody, maybe you've said this or maybe you heard it said, maybe someone that likes to eat certain food? And you go out with them and they order the same thing you order. And they eat it and they enjoy it. And you might say, you're a man after my own heart. Yeah. Or maybe they like a sport right. that you like. Or they have a passion for a hobby. And what do you, you might say this. You might say, you're a man after my own heart. You're a woman after my own heart. What does that mean? It means that you like what they like. You're passionate about what they're passionate about. So when we look at the man of God called David, and we understand he had a heart after God. That meant he had a heart, and God was able to say, wow, you like what I like. You love what I love. You're passionate about what I'm passionate about. And ought we not, as the people of God, to have a heart after God, to care about the things that God cares about? Can you say amen? amen? Chuck Swindoll said it this way, what does it mean to be a person after God's own heart? Seems to me it means that you are a person whose life is in harmony with the Lord. What is important to him is important to you. What burdens him, burdens you. When he says, go to the right, you go to the right. When he says, stop that in your life, you stop it. When he says, this is wrong and I want you to change, you come to terms with it because you have a heart for God. You see, David's heart was like the heart of God. He had God's interests at heart. He had a purpose and a desire to do all of God's will. So quickly, what does it look like to have a heart after God? How can you and I develop a lifestyle that can elicit such a response from God? What characteristics from the life of David can we emulate to grow in godliness? So we're gonna look quickly at a few character traits that David's life, uh, that, that formed and fashioned within him a heart after God. We're gonna have the points up there. I'm gonna go quickly through some of them. So write them down. You know, you know what I've learned when I go to a conference or when I go somewhere and if I, I, don't, I don't write that quick? You could take a picture of the screen and you got all the points. And maybe you can go and study them Lord help us, Lord help us this morning, amen, amen. I I just ask you to spend half the time you spend on social media, spend it in the word of God. All right, I'm gonna quit meddling, I'm gonna go back to preaching. I was recently asked by a a friend, a, a brother in Christ, he just randomly asked me, he said, how many people in victory would you, would you estimate really study the word? I said, well, that's an interesting question. And I gave him a percentage just, that, just from knowing some of you and knowing maybe how you get into the word a little bit. But think about that. What a good question that is. How many people in our churches really study the word? Now, there's a difference. Now, there's a difference being under the word and being in the word. Hello? When you come and you hear a sermon, you're under the word, and that's good. When you come to church, when you come to life groups, you're under the word, you're under the preaching and the teaching and the ministry of the word of God, and that's good, and you need to do that. That's important, but you also need to be in the word. And that means you personally take time to read the scriptures, to, to dig a little deeper, to pray over it, to have maybe a study Bible or a study guide and, and get into the scriptures and grow and learn in your understanding. So I, I want you this morning not only to be under the word, but be in the word. Turn to the person next to you say, I think he's talking to you. Okay, quickly, number one, are you ready? Are you ready this morning? Number one, he loved God with all his heart. Psalm 18, verse 1, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Psalm 31, O love the Lord, O you saints. These are the writings of David. Again, we can say, oh, I love the Lord. But you know what? Again, that's an abstract concept or a a thought or a phrase. What does that look like in real life? It's easy. You know, you can hear a lot of people, oh, I love the Lord. What does that mean? Is it, is it fleshed out? Is it worked out in your life? Well, we look at in the life of David. He loved God, and you know what? It was, it was it manifested in that he had a passionate love for God that dispelled all human inhibitions. Hello? He had a passionate love for God that dispelled all human inhibition. What do I mean by that? I mean that when David was worshiping God, he would dance before the ark of God's presence. When the presence of God, represented in the Old Testament by the ark, was coming into the city of Jerusalem, that was the place where God would dwell and meet with his people. And for him, David was filled with such joy, the Bible says he whirled about. Now, if you gave enough in the offering, I would show you what that looks like, but I'm not going to. <laughs> he whirled about, he danced, he rejoiced, he was excited because the presence of God was coming. You say, well, oh preacher, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm a little timid, I'm a little shy. But you know what I've learned in life? People get excited about what they're passionate about. I have seen people get excited about things that excite them, and they show it. They could be mild mannered They could be quiet, but all of a sudden, let me tell you, if you won the mega Bucks, was it $1.2 trillion? None of you are gambling here. I know that. I'm just saying if in your wishful thinking. Don't you think you would be excited about that? Oh, come on now. Come on, but but what about the presence of Almighty God? What about the joy of his presence? David, the Bible says, he whirled about, he celebrated, he danced, so much so that even his wife got an attitude. And she said to David when he came home, said, Oh, how inglorious, how undignified you behave today. But you know what David said? He said it wasn't before the people. It wasn't before you. It was before God who chose me. It was before God who raised me up. I worship Him. It don't matter what people think. Because you know what? It's people can't exalt you. People can't make a way like God can make. But we're people who celebrate God and rejoice. I don't know about you, but I go to some nations of the world, I've been to over 25 nations of this world, and I find that people from other nations, I'm sorry, I'm talking to Americans today. I go to other nations and they know how to celebrate. They know how to worship. Some of you come to America and all of a sudden, what happened? Isn't he the same God? Isn't he worthy of our praise? Isn't he worthy of our worship? Hallelujah! Talking about the God of the universe. Why was he a man after the heart of God? Because when the presence of God came, he didn't care about what people think. We've got to start to get more God conscious and less self-conscious. Come on, I know some of you this is a little much, but you know what? You don't have to start dancing tomorrow. You know what? Just lift your hand like this. Come on, one Sunday, then another Sunday, then another Sunday, then another Sunday, then another Sunday. Amen? Hallelujah. He worshipped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In exuberance, we see it at sporting events. People go to a football game, they cheer, 10 degree weather, they take off their shirts. Yes. That's true. That's true. Some of you run out of church because it's too hot. <laughs> Some of you run out of church because it's too cold. Football games, 10 degrees in Green Bay, in, in the frozen tundra. Yes. That's true. 10 below, 5 below, they got no shirts on their chair in their team. Yes. And we... Hallelujah. How about political rallies? People are chanting, people are cheering, people are holding up their signs, people are campaigning like that that political person is their savior. We only have one savior, his name is Jesus. We only worship one political figure, his name is Jesus, hallelujah. You know, personally, during my blossoming love relationship with my lovely wife, when we were first dating, first engaged, she, she worked at a, a law firm as a legal secretary. And I would take her, her favorite dessert, to the law firm where she worked. You see, my love for her dispelled all my human inhibitions. There were these high-powered lawyers, but here was the little brownie boy. But I didn't care what they thought of me, because I was trying to impress her. When you come to the house of God, are you trying to impress man? You try to impress the person next to you? You trying to have some sort of decorum or some sort of presentation? I don't care what people think. I care what God thinks. Because he's the one that lifted me up out of the garbage pit to set me among princes. And I worship him and I, I love him and, and we ought to, to worship with that, that same passion as the people of God. Can you say amen? Amen. He had a passionate love for God that manifested in, itself in generosity. 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 24, the Bible tells of a time where, where David had to offer a sacrifice and he went to Onan who, who owned a, a field and a plot of ground and he went to that place and he was going to offer the sacrifice and, and Onan, uh, the Jebusite, said to David, said, you know what, you're the king. I want you to take the sacrifice. I want you to take the wood. I want you to take the, the plot of land. Offer your sacrifice to God. And David said something so powerful, so profound. He said, no, I'm going to pay. Because I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. You see, David had a passion that manifested itself in generosity. You know, the reality of it is what we do with our resources really are a mirror of who we are i believe the first key to david's greatness and being after a man of god being a man after god's heart was that he was passionate in his love for god i want to ask you this morning do you love the lord with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul and all your strength number 2 he loved god's word He loved God's word. We're talking about characteristics that we need to apply to our life, that we need to pray, God, create these desires in my heart. Help me to love your word. Psalm 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law that he meditate day and night, But his delight is in the law. His delight is in the book. Come on. Come on. We're talking about getting our face in the book. Amen. We had enough Facebook. We need our face in the book. Blessed is the man who delights in the word of God. And he meditates. He meditates. He thinks about over and over again. He delights himself in the word of God. You see, David had a hunger and a thirst to know God's word. A longing, a desire, a passion. The Bible says in in the Gospels in Luke chapter 5 verse 1, listen to this, it says while Jesus was preaching, it says that the people, they pressed in to hear the word of God. They pressed in. They, they, They sat at the edge of their seat. They weren't they weren't callous, they weren't carefree, they weren't distracted, they weren't on their phones. You say, oh, I didn't know they had phones back in 2,000 years ago. They weren't distracted. Matter of fact, because there were distractions, they pressed through. They pressed through the to hear, to hear the word of God. Do we understand this morning that we're sitting listening to God's eternal plan, his purposes? We're listening to his eternal word. We're listening to the words of God, the words of Jesus. We're listening to the words that will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will never pass away. You can't say you love Jesus if you don't love his word. Because this is Jesus. This is his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the word of Jesus. This is God's message. You see, it's so important that that we understand. We understand the word of God. We need to love God's word. Amen. Amen. Personally, as your pastor, I've been pastoring, it'll be 33 years. Because I love God's word, I stand here. It wasn't the position that has kept me. It wasn't the salary that's kept me. It wasn't the applause of man that's kept me. It is the word of God that has kept me. Matter of fact, through a series of leadings and and, and God guiding my life, when I first got saved, I remember one of the steps, one of the steps that led me to enroll in Bible college. I was simply at a Bible study, small, no, no great fanfare, no convention, no revival, no seminar. It was just small Bible study in a home, maybe 15 people there. I was saved one, I was saved about a year, and I remember The Bible study was being taught on the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And I remember as it was being taught that I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm taking notes, and something in my heart says, I wanna know God's word more. I love God's word. That caused me to enroll in Bible college to learn more of God's word. Not knowing what the future held, I was basically a new Christian, I didn't know about the call of God, I didn't know about God's will and direction for my life, but all I knew was I wanna know God's word. I trust this morning that God stirs within you and you have a willingness to know, to learn, and to love God's word. Can you say amen? amen? Quickly, number three, he had a faith and a trust in God. In the Psalms we see over and over how David trusted in God he was hunted like an animal by King Saul he was rebelled against by his own son Absalom he was forced to flee for his life many times but he would say over and over again if an army surround me I will not be afraid if war breaks out I will trust in the Lord Psalm 11 verse 1 I will In the Lord, I will put my trust. These are all Psalms of David. Psalm 13, verse 5, but I have trusted in your mercy. Psalm 18, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. You see, David, like other kings, other kings, they made uh, unholy alliances with other countries. David, like other kings, could have trusted in his own ability. David could have manipulated circumstances, but he refused to do this. He he chose to trust in God in all things. When his back was against the wall, when he was at his lowest and most vulnerable, he believed and he trusted in God. Can you say amen? amen? Moving on, just two more. Number four, he had a respect for those in authority. Now it's going to get quiet right now. We live, in a, we live in a culture of disrespect and disloyalty. Everything in our society and our culture has been torn down. All positions that once were positions of authority have now been dragged through the mud. But God still believes in structure. He still believes in authority. And he still believes in honor and respect for those who are in authority. Can you say amen? Even if you don't believe it, say Amen. If you remember, David was the second king of Israel, the first king of Israel was King Saul. King Saul, the Bible says that the spirit of God departed from him because he rebelled, because he made wrong choices, because he was proud, because he was more concerned with what people thought than what God thought, And, and an evil spirit came upon him. And so David, being a young shepherd, being skillful in music, he was called to come to the kingdom, God had a plan and a purpose, but that's a whole nother story, whole nother sermon. But as David began to minister to Saul, Saul and the evil spirit would would, would flee from from Saul and David began to spend more and more time in the the palace. And, And there were times when because of Saul's maniacal, jealous, paranoid spirit that he tried to kill David. The Bible says that on more than one occasion, Saul took a spear and tried to kill David. Matter of fact, one time he took it, took the spear, threw it at David, and it landed in the wall, and David fled. Now, when, when people throw spears at you, now, now we're not talking about literal spears. For David, it was a literal spear. But now today, people can throw spears of criticism, lies, People can lie about you. And we don't, have the, we don't have the time nor the opportunity to try to undo all their nonsense. Let the haters hate. Let the liars lie, because that's what liars do. But when the spears of criticism, when the spears of condescension, when the spears of sarcasm, when the spears of bitterness and hatred come at you, there are three things you do when a spear is thrown at you. Someone throws a spear, you duck and you keep going. Someone throws a spear, you let it land, and then that, that where it lands, the, the blood, the, the bitterness gets in your spirit because you got hit with it, and all you do is focus on it, or you could take that spear and throw it back. I'd like to take a survey and to find out which one, number one, number two, or number three. I think some of us become skilled in learning how to throw spears back. He did that to me, I'm gonna get even with him. She said that, well, I'm gonna get even with her. But you know what happened? See, test for David. If David picked up the spear and threw it back, he would have become just like King Saul. Instead of being a man after the heart of God, instead of being a man of the spirit, he would have become a man of the flesh. We would not be talking about David this morning. You know, so you know what David did? He ducked. Sometimes in life you gotta learn how to duck. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs? It's honorable for a king to overlook an offense. Hello? Some of you got a spirit on you that if somebody looks at you wrong, if the pastor offends you, you got to get on the phone and you got to tell all your friends and you sound spiritual, well, we got to pray about this. But that's, that is super spirituality. That's phony spirituality. That's the flesh. You're a gossiper and that gossiping is sin. Come on, somebody say amen. Hello? I, I, I don't know if anybody, you know... I'm not looking at anybody. I don't know about you, but, but if, if that's you, nobody told me that about you. It's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction in your life. You see, David had a respect for those who were in authority. You know what? There was a time when David could have killed Saul, and his men urged him, said, You know what? This is God. People were getting spiritual. This is God. His, God is gonna God has given you the opportunity to ascend to the throne. Now you can kill Saul, and you could be the next king of Israel. And you know what David did? He snuck into the camp with one of his armor bearers and he cut off a little bit. His Saul was sleeping. He cut a little bit of his garment off. And, and and you know what the Bible says? We're talking about a man after the heart of God. We're talking about a man of the spirit. You know what David said after he cut that garment? The Bible says his heart smote him. That's, that's another way of saying he was convicted. He was grieved. He said, what have I done? He said, I won't lift up my hand against the Lord's anointed. We need to get a little bit that more back in the church. You need to stop throwing spears. You need to stop cutting off the, the mantle of the man of God. You need to stop touching the Lord's anointed. Oh, I knew I'd get a few amens. It's okay. Conviction's good. You might be silent. May the Holy Ghost touch you. I'm not just coming over here because it's all you. Let me spread it out a little bit. Amen? You know what he said? He said, soul may kill me, but I won't kill him. Saul may lay a hand on me, but I'm not going to lay a hand on him. And that's what made David a man after the heart of God because he trusted God instead of trying to fix things himself. If we got off the phone and got out on our knees, we would see things change a lot quicker. I don't know who that was for, but you could say amen. amen. Amen, amen, amen. And I'm going to just close one more. No, let me just say a few more things. This is good. When you respect others, especially in leadership, God will honor you. But if you tear down others, if you're critical of your pastor, you're critical of your leaders, if you're negative with your tongue, you have a problem that will sabotage your life and your ministry. If you are jealous, if you gloat over other people's mistakes, you have a problem that will destroy you. Amen. Are you ready for one more? The last one, and, and these are, this is a sampling of characteristics that made David a, a man after the heart of God. Lastly, he was willing to repent when he failed. Amen. David, his, his life was, uh, I want to say marred, but God's grace covered it, but, but he failed greatly when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he took a woman that was not his wife. He lay with her, she became pregnant, he couldn't hide the sin anymore. And then he murdered someone to cover up his sin, he murdered her husband. But then David would write one of the greatest or the I would I will say authoritatively the greatest psalm of repentance. Psalm 51. I want you to make note of that. Put that on your phone. Put that in your notes. Psalm 51 is a psalm of repentance that all of us, all of us, me and you, should read on a regular basis. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness and your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, Lord. Forgive the iniquity of of my sin. Purge me with hyssop, O Lord, and I shall be clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit, a steadfast spirit with me. Heal the bones which you have broken. Restore the joy of thy salvation. Lord, you require truth in the inward parts. Cleanse me, O God. And David would write this psalm and he would pour out his heart and he would, he would make no excuse for his sin. He would not blame his, his Bathsheba. He would not blame his upbringing. He would not blame the government. He would not blame the school system. He would not blame the neighborhood he was from. He took full responsibility. He said, against you and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness in your sight. He was willing to repent. And I believe that might have been his greatest asset in life. And I believe for all of us, that's one of the greatest assets. Not that we make excuses for sin. Not that we sin and say, oh, I'm going to repent. No, we we realize that when we do fail and when we do fall short, we cry out to God and say, God, have mercy. God, forgive me. God, I repent. To repent means you turn away from sin and you turn towards God. He came clean. He was humble. He said, God, you don't desire sacrifices, but a broken and a contrite spirit. This morning, I ask you, in closing, how will you respond? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God doesn't resist an adulterer. He doesn't resist a murderer. He doesn't resist a drug addict. He doesn't resist a liar. He doesn't resist a cheater. God resists the proud. David was a man after the heart of God because even when he made mistakes, he humbled himself. Can we stand together this morning? I'm gonna ask the singers and the musicians if they would please come, come back to the platform here. As we close this morning, as we just take the next few moments and say, God, make me a, a man, make me a woman after the heart, your heart, God. Would you just bow your heads this morning? I wanna ask if there's someone here that you, you've never taken that first step of fully committing your life to Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus, you've never repented of your sin. You don't, you don't know God personally, maybe you've, you've come to church, maybe you understand a little bit about God, but, but today could be the day of a new beginning in your life. When you put faith in Jesus and you ask him to forgive your sins to cleanse you to give you a clean state clean slate to start all over to start anew this morning the Bible says whoever comes to Jesus he will in no wise cast out if there's someone here this morning you've never you've never committed your life to Christ you've never truly put faith in Christ and asked God to forgive your sins and you've never made a decision to follow him. I want to just ask quickly if you'd raise your hand, just lift your hand quickly, just quickly all over this place. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I see those hands, every hand God sees. By you lifting your hand, you're acknowledging this morning that like all of us, you're a sinner who needs God's grace. You're someone who who realizes they need god to help them they can't live this life in their own strength they need god god will touch you today god will forgive you today if you open up your heart and say jesus come in i put my faith in you i put my trust in you i believe in you today that you died for my sins that you rose on the third day and that your holy spirit will come is coming to make me a new person i receive christ as my savior This morning, we look at a life of a man called David. A man who had a heart after God. I don't know about you, but I believe that that's something. It's one of the greatest, if not the greatest aspirations for a Christian that we would say, God, I wanna be a man after your heart. I wanna be a woman after your heart. I wanna be one that you look at and you say, wow, they have a heart like mine. A man after my, heart, my own heart. A woman after my own heart. Lord, I pray you would touch people right now. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you would help each one of us to learn to know the truths, the principles of the life of David, God, I just pray today, Lord. God that that person who is struggling with bad choices, sins, indiscretions, failures, whatever we want to call them. God that they would know that they don't have to be defined by those things. They can start a new God. You're a God of grace. You're a God of mercy. You show, you displayed that in the life of David. You gave him a new beginning. And so, God, today I pray you would touch hearts. I pray, oh God, that you would just minister to people right now, Father. God, that people's lives would be changed. In Jesus' name. And before we leave, I'm going to ask the singers and the musicians, if you would just...